Saturday night's not all right for Borkin. Well, Saturday night is when the women go and tune the windmills. And tune them? I am very sorry, Mr. Davies. I have to go tune the windmills. Oh, that's true. Go. That's true. You got to go. You have to like, there's a weekly tuning of the windmills where they have to make sure they're all rotating properly yes. at, in, in yeah, sync. Because sure. if, they're, if they all get out of sync, then the, the country flies away. <laughs> Like a helicopter. It sinks. Well, no, the, the, the windmills the windmills function actually well. The windmills function like a like an outboard motor in the air, so it just it just <laughs> across the ocean. Because all the that windmills because be all the windmills are pointed the same direction. That's right. Party number two hundred seven. Yeah, it's a podcast and a dance party. That was called White Guy Popping and Locking. <laughs> <laughs> He's Craig Popping and Locking. I'm Mike doing whatever I'm doing, flopping and dropping. I don't know. I just picked something <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> uh, and here we are. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm running playtest of capers. I'm finding myself a uh, uh, graphic designer in the process, maybe. Had a guy play the game yesterday who oh. is a graphic designer in real life, and I thought, hey, I'm going to be in need of a graphic designer in the not-too-distant future, because it looks like Jen's not going to be able to help for the next book. No? Nope. She's, oh. Well, she wants to get her own affairs in order and get like other work-oriented kind of stuff up <laughs> on she, her is portfolio. She, is she okay? So that she has... like <laughs> Getting her something. affairs in order. No, no, no. <laughs> to, get her, to get her portfolio under control in a, like, a more broad sense. But she's sense. so young. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk to Jim. In the year of our Lord, 1500... Hey, Jim. Hi, everybody. Just in case you were worried, Jen is not dying. My well, friend, I'm glad Jen. to hear that. Goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, we're all good. How's everything, Jim? No, oh, it's great over here. <laughs> Technical, technological difficulties notwithstanding, but it's good here. It's good. We're. Uh, I, I admit, though, I had to. In the in the tradition of the people, I had to pour one out. I uh, <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of ambush here. Uh, Craig, you know you know John Wiseman, yeah. Um, I know the name, and I'm just I'm kind of blanking. I'm thinking, who is that? That's a guitar. Fair, he was a reveler at the Renaissance yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. He was a guitarist. Yep, yep. Um, did you know who his brother was? No. His brother was was unfortunately Lauren Wiseman, and Lauren Wiseman is the dude who who became line editor and really the inventor of Traveler of the role playing game. Uh huh. Yep, yep. As well as as well as Twilight Two Thousand. As well as a ton of early Dungeons and Dragons stuff in the in the Red Box era. Yeah, I if I hadn't run my game yesterday, at the same time I was running, there was somebody running Traveler at another table, going old yeah. school. And and it was so it's one of those weird things, and I thought a lot of Nerdburger, and I, I forgot to break this down to you guys, that it was one of those weird moments where I've known John, and and John he he loves Latin, and we used to share Latin epigrams back and forth, and little. <laughs> in latin jokes and stuff latin jokes like you do <laughs> everybody loves a good latin joke well who doesn't love a latin joke <laughs> God, what are you stupid semper reciprocal come on stupid um, semper ubi sub ubi <laughs> i love it when you do that one that's amongst my favorites 
<laughs> that's all I remember. Nine years of Latin, and that's all I remember. Why? Why? Well, why do we all gonna come together and gonna learn our Saturday night verbs, lads? To come, to conquer, to seize, to grab. I don't know why I'm doing this with a kick voice. But I think it's because it's funny. Yes. I love Cletus the Slackjawed Yokel reading Latin. <laughs> hey, Brandine, ipsum facto. <laughs> Forson et ac olim meminisse eu wabit emmer so, so, so yeah, John and I, we would do this, and we had a really gentle relationship, and he's a very kind man. And I've, I've seriously, for what, 25 years now? 30 years? And suddenly he posts on the intertubes, yeah, I gotta go down to Texas and clean up my brother's stuff. And I just sent him a note saying, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. And then separately, I see online through my other channels, Lauren Wiseman has died. And I went, holy crap, your brother is Lauren Wiseman? And for our generation of people, he's a big deal. Yeah, for that geek geek culture, yeah. Yeah, especially the older generation. You know, the one before computers and video <laughs> games made it sexy, and we all were just ink-stained scribblers with our pages of quadrille paper. And <laughs> just, you know, we just we just you know guys like me who lost a whole chunk of study hall designing dungeons on graph paper. <laughs> and I, I went to band. When I didn't have oh. anything to do in study hall, I went to band and taught myself instruments. Nice. How's that yeah. for a band we geek? Believe, <laughs> wow. It or I not, taught myself to play the it. trumpet, the drums, the piano, a little guitar. Just, just enough lots. to be dangerous in each one. Not, not enough to master anything. <laughs> and can you play uh, any of those now? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't play the trombone or the bass guitar anymore. And those were the ones that I really knew how to play. Wow. Well, my wife was a, would you believe, a trombonist and a bass guitarist. Uh, because those two go hand in hand, I've discovered. I have run into more people who played both the trombone and the bass guitar. Really? In my circle of friends, both in, down here and up in Wisconsin, absolutely. Does the trombone play the bass line? Well, they play the bass clef. So if you learn one, it's easy to learn the other. You don't yeah. have to learn another clef. Yeah. Are there four strings on the trombone? Yes. <laughs> there are precisely four strings. Um, <laughs> while, we're th while we're talking about Cletus, uh, we do have uh, this real quick. Hubert. Hubert. <laughs> I counted you run 26. Out. <laughs> 26, you counted? Okay. Yeah. Rumor, yeah. And, Rumor scout. and scout and <laughs> Hubert. <laughs> anyway. You run it. You run it. But no, it's, so, yeah. And uh, and so John posted today that he is down in Texas cleaning out Lauren Wiseman's stuff. Mm. And he is confronting that which all nerds of a certain generation must confront that at some point, someone we love. It's going to have to enter our den of you-know-what <laughs> and clean it out. Yeah. And they're going to wonder, what the heck was this for? <laughs> and what it was, and it's, I mean, I was, it caused me to reflect. I realized I've got thousands of lead figures, historical and fantasy. <laughs> I've, I, I can't, um, you know, how many books you got, Greg? Uh, well, I've, I've, sold, I've sold some over the years um, because I, I devoured them. 
in college when I first got into gaming. I mean, I literally would buy a book a week and just read it. I, that was my free time when I wasn't gaming or playing, going to classes. I would just read the book. I didn't play a lot of the games, but I mean, I've got you know, I've got hundreds. Yeah, of game books and and hundreds, and they won't, hundreds, hundreds, <laughs> and and you go to half price books. And suddenly you hit this shelf. I know half-price books intimately. I know what the layout of my local store is. And so I know if they've stuck a new shelf of fresh books in there. Mm -hmm. And I hate it. I hate it when I walk in there and there's this neat row of these books that are brand new. And I know one of ours has gone to his reward. Uh Jeez, oh, that's that's dark. Um, well, I, I, it's, and it's so, I never thought so, about yeah. it that way. <laughs> you know, but it's when it's, you go into the, when you go into the thrift store and there's a whole new batch ass. of clothes. It just all it means is a bunch of people died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's worse for gamers because we're a very special sect, and we all, for whatever reason, just like bass players play in the trombone, we love the same things. Yeah. And so I hit the shelf. I remember it was like two years ago. I hit a shelf and there were seven books in a row that were identical to the shelf I had at home. <laughs> and I went, ah, ah, <laughs> and dang this, it. And so this, this person liked all the same stuff and, I did. We and, should and have so been the friends. Guy, well, oh my, we should have interacted as people yeah. that you've taken me to the next level on this because that's the other thing. This guy, where am I? I mean, half price books in Greenfield, Wisconsin, right? Which means he was somewhere nearby. Yeah. Which meant you're you're right. We probably should have met and played games rather than sat probably individually reading. Because by the way, they were in mint condition. <laughs> so so that well, so, maybe maybe you still can get to know him. Maybe he's going to haunt his books. Mm-hmm. Sweet. <laughs> and then you guys can play Wraith together. I'll see. <laughs> Well, no, it's uh, which it, is a so game we'll about being a ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you oh, have I have it. What I, are you talking about? Tell him, Mike. Jim, do you have some oh, some like gotcha. oscilloscopes and uh, you know other electromagnetic field sensing scientific EKG equipment? EKG meter. You can. Uh, you can. What's what's Egon's thing? What's that called? Oh, that was a the P uh, PK. Yeah, PKE meter. Yeah, PK meter. That's yeah. <laughs> well, no. See now. Oh, wait. Now we can scam all the people on AMC even more <laughs> because. I can pretend, come on, we could do this. Mm -hmm. We could pretend to play a role-playing game with ghosts. Yeah. As if we could, as, you know, we could all set up our green light, our night vision goggles. Uh -huh. Yep. And you just and have I, you just have some pre-recorded sounds on your phone, like <gasps> the sounds of dice rolling. Yeah, and then, then we can all go, oh, oh, yeah. what was that? <laughs> <laughs> with our weird glowing no, pupils. No. Mike looked genuinely yes. panicked right there. <laughs> yes. We could, we could just pull out this thing where suddenly we say, all right, you have to make a check. Is it a mimic or is it a treasure chest? Roll. And like you say, clatter, clatter, clatter. Mimic! Mimic! <laughs> Great. We could do that for 25 minutes for a couple million bucks. Come on. <laughs> I'd do that every day for an hour for a couple million bucks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, so if that's what they want. But no, uh, Lauren, Lauren Wiseman. Until I join. Rest in peace, guy. Let's roll on here. What's news, Craig? Oh, there has been a premiere for all the special people who get to go to that kind of premiere and a release date set for Mystery Science Theater. Closing that one. <laughs> Die in a fire. 
not interested. Okay, so fine. Don't watch it. On Netflix, plenty, April 14th. Well, plenty else to watch. <laughs> oh, I have Netflix. Plenty I'm else to watch. I'm deliberately going to turn it on and leave the room. Does that help? Wow, you're kind of a prick. <laughs> yep. Okay, so I guess we won't really necessarily... Uh, why all, we, couldn't we, they make the deal? Why, why couldn't they... Why, why we, couldn't they make the deal? Why couldn't they make the deal when? Why was there... With Trace Beaulieu? I don't know. But... Um, What's going on? That's, that's how all that works. That's how that's how Hollywood, that's how TV, that's how movies, that's how all that works. There's plenty Hodge, plenty I'm, of I'm, stuff I'm, dies before it's time. Plenty of stuff gets effed up in legalities and who's got rights to this and that and what format and how often and yeah. You know, Joel Hodgson is a self righteous tool who let <laughs> who who fell forward into one of the great nerd minds of all time, and then left the show to do what? Do we remember the name of the show? No. The show that he came up. You don't? I'm not going to tell you because you clearly favor him. What? You, 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 look, you look it up. Clear. I blame you for favoring him. I'm angry now. If I favored him, I would know the name of the show. Uh, well, he, I he liked the, the show. show. I was not in love with Joel. I liked the but show. I liked that he, he was left funny. to do a show that wound up with one good joke. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it had one joke. And it was a very good joke, mind you. Okay. It was it, it it was stupid anyway, but he does this one stupid show, and now he comes back like he's saving MST3K. Oh, thank you so much! Builds up a cast, gets a huge Kickstarter, builds up this huge cast of of nerd people uh, around him to do the show with him, and doesn't have the charity and basic decency to deal in Trace and Servo. I don't get it. Uh, you do not know any of those people on a personal level. You can't get it. You don't know what the whole situation is. You only know what's been publicized. You only know one person's That's side of the story, probably. So I'm allowed to react badly as everyone That's else fine. in the media. You can hate it. I'm going to watch it. Next story. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of the, the nerdverse nowadays, is that there's plenty to watch, and everybody can go and watch their, and enjoy their thing. It's horrifying how much we have to watch. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Mike, what's news? I see you poking your finger at your uh, tablet device there. Well, I didn't... Uh... Your iPad-like iPad. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, do you have your sound effects open? I've, I've got them. Why? Do what? you have your alien sound effects? What alien? Aliens, the movie. Oh, no. I mean, that's I don't have any of that stuff. All right. I can go find a soundboard. Do you want the movie in general, or do you want that guy? Speaking of re- resting in peace, we lost Bill Paxton. Yeah. Uh, no, nothing other than uh, like complications due to surgery. He was over so sixty weird. and he got surgery. Every time they open you up, you could die. It's that simple. I, no, I know. Remember that saying. with surgery, folks, as you get older. But it's it, and, it can it can happen. Yeah. You know, and we don't want to you know belabor the point or anything because everybody's you know everybody already knows and they've already talked about it. But it's like <clears throat> why why do the people who who die? Everybody comes out and says, oh, man, that sucks. He was the nicest guy in the world. Like, why do those people have to die? Like, he did nothing wrong. He didn't, like, you know, drive 100 miles an hour and die in a fiery wreck. He didn't die of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Mike just requested me to go find something. I'm going to press this button, and I'm doing so under protest, Jim. Okay. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. 
Um, that is the thing that every single person in the entire universe dropped onto their Facebook and Twitter the day that Bill Paxton died. Yeah. It is overplayed. It's actually kind of disrespectful in terms of like a death. I feel that it's like it's the it's the lowest hanging fruit of the low hanging fruit. Welcome to the show. I, you're welcome, Mike. And now <laughs> I'm not playing the it internet. again. Um, I actually saw Shane Hensley, who is uh, an RPG guy. He uh, writes uh, created Deadlands and he threw up a line um, that he likes a, a better uh, what he likes for, for a Paxton line for kind of an homage to send the guy off. Um, it's he's, he's uh, Paxton speaks it as Morgan Earp in Tombstone. Um, when he's hanging around with one of his brothers, he says, look at all the stars. You look up and you think God made all this. And he remembered to make a little speck like me kind of flattering really. Um, so for those of you on the spiritual side, there you go. It's not all game over. And, and, uh, <laughs> he pukes, you die. <laughs> <laughs> it's snowing in my room <laughs> which is my one of my favorite uh, roles of his actually is as chet yes. on weird science yep no you know, and, chet, and that, you're a real asshole <laughs> he uh no he was a that? terrific character actor who yeah he, is he, one he, of he those was. guys that you have to look at the career backwards to understand just how good he was but the other the other thing is and this goes to mike's point um, as the politics of Hollywood have emerged more and more, there's this group of guys, you know, Hollywood is basically to the left, right? I mean, we know that. But there's this little cadre of really? right, more right, yeah, more right-wing <laughs> actors that have come out and are just done with it. Usually you have to be a little bit more along in your career. Guys like Adam Baldwin. You've got to have a little, little bit of clout, otherwise you just get slapped around, yeah. Or you won't work. Mm -hmm. you know, you'll, get, you'll get cut out. Well, it was amazing to me to watch the reactions across the political spectrum, uh, who I, the people I follow on Twitter, to him. Just going, A-plus human being, kind guy, nice guy. Mm -hmm. um, it was remarkable, because usually now, in the poisoned environment we live in, there's somebody that will come up and say, I saw nothing. Just everybody saying how kind and basically decent he was. And then they went on to say, oh, yeah, and really talented, because if you look at the range of roles he played, there's actually a lot of different people in there. Yep. There was act this wasn't Walter Matthau who played one guy for <laughs> 30 years. You know, there was there was a lot of different stuff. No, it's uh, yeah, every, it was and everything, everything from from comedy to action, sci fi, historical figures, he drama, yeah. lead supporting. Yeah. He, he did the, the quick cameos. He did, you know. He came in and stole the scene mm -hmm. in some of his yep. early stuff. I mean, I think he steals every scene he's in in, in Weird Science. And, well, and, that's, and arguably and, in Aliens as well. Yep. Well, and that's something that tells you that he's a student of the craft. Because when you're sitting and you're if, – if all you do is walk on and mail in your lines, you're just going to be up there with the rest of the people. And you can do a good job. But when you're focused and paying attention, that's how you do it. Because you figure out how it is to make your character the important one in that moment. And I think he had that ability. Anyway, I know that was that was on a list of potential topics, and we had eliminated it, but I felt yeah. like we had to do he's, it anyway. He survived working with Val Kilmer, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, and, you know, I, I wish, I, and, and Craig's right, I wish that, although that character, that, that, that scene in Aliens, and Aliens itself is the best of the movies, um, you know, which, which, did you see this? I did not know this. Do you know what the original title 
that they gave Ridley Scott for Alien was? For the first one? Yeah. I don't know. Space Beast. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard that <laughs> in the past, yeah. I'm going, whoa, that would have felt different. It's <laughs> Space Beast 2, or I suppose it would have been Space Beasts. <laughs> Space I, I, Beasts. But the, only, the only way that could have been worse is if it was Beast from Space. <laughs> what we what yeah. we sh- what we should do is we should just take that Space Beast title and just give that the give that title to uh, to Alien Three. <laughs> right, right. Everything well, after well, Aliens. No. Is it would have been it would have been Space Beast. Space Beasts. Space Beast goes to prison. <laughs> and Space Beast resurrected. Is resurrected. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't like. Space Beast Cubed. Didn't they have the yes, raise yes. the three above? Yeah, it wasn't really third. It was to the third power. Uh-huh. Which led all of the nerd burgers to go, that means there's a lot of Space Beasts. <laughs> it's not just times three. Oh, no, it's not. It's, oh. It's Space Beast to the third. It's the first movie all all over again, but worse. <laughs> <laughs> it well, it's, it's, it's the same, you know, it's the claustrophobic. It's like when my son Everybody asked me running what happens at alien. the end of at the end of Dawn of War Two when we kill the uh, the hive the the Gene Stealer hive, what happens then? And I said, look, it's Games Workshop, it's Warhammer 40k. There's always more of those guys. <laughs> so so yeah, no, it's yeah. I had had he as as seminal as that was, and as part of the nerd culture as that line is. I'm glad that folks. I, I, I hadn't seen that. That's a good, that's a good get. All right. That a lot. Thus begins now my uh, my three part series this episode of uh, news stories that all have the subtitle seriously. Cool. Um, how many different ways can you order Pizza Hut pizza right now? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, I'm dear asking you. You can call you're asking, them. You're, you're you can asking. online. You've got an app on your phone. Can you tweet at them? Probably tweet at them. Yeah, you can do it in World of Warcraft. Right. You can do it in Second Life, I'm what? sure. You, That's you, still you around. Can. Yeah. You can order Domino's in World of Warcraft? Pizza Hut? Oh, yeah. No, not Domino's. Pizza Hut. Oh, oh okay. You yeah, can, well, that makes sense. The, it, it came out with the Pandarian expansion. The uh, You could you could order pizza in-game. Pandarian? Well, there's... Uh, it's, it's, it's a bunch of pandas. Oh. The... Uh, Pizza Hut made a uh, limited special edition 64 um, pairs of shoes that have a button in them. They're all Pizza you know, Pizza Hut logo and themed in red and white. And it's got a button in them that'll order you your favorite pizza. You can program it. It's like those Amazon button things that you yeah, can yeah, buy yeah. that just orders like more Tide. It's a 64 uh, special edition. They're calling them Pie Tops. Because they're high tops. Mm -hmm. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) That's the world we live in. Okay, and I'm gonna have I'm I'm gonna have to add the George Carlin line. If you nail two things together that no one has ever nailed together before, (laughs) some schmuck will buy it from you. Yeah. (laughs) Like nerd and burger. Oh wait, no one's buying (laughs) this from anyone. Wow, that's that's no no. Where does this button sit? Where is it on the shoe? Is it I on closed the tongue? it. It's I closed the, it. On it's, the top it's, of up, the it's up at the top. It's like up there. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I got I have to reach down and push this. Yeah, you got to do some exercise before you have your pizza. You have to touch your toes. <laughs> oh no, to no, limber. no. The irony, the irony of an exercise shoe ordering me pizza is not lost on. Yeah, not just any pizza, but deep fried pan pizza. Or better, better yet, it just can be sitting next to you on the sofa. You don't even have to be wearing them. <laughs> what they should do is you should have to, it should have like a you know it should be like a Fitbit. It should, you should have to walk five miles. <laughs> Before you can order a pizza, you know you <laughs> have not earned your deep dish heart, hearty, cardiac box in a box. Yeah. You know what this pizza crust needs? More grease. Uh, Let's figure out a way to do that. In completely unrelated news, <laughs> um, seriously, yeah. There's a, a guy named uh, Lee Howard Koenig. He's a 45 year old guy from uh, Port St. Lucie in Florida who. Um, he must have done something bad because we have his middle name. Yeah. He, Thank he, you. He impersonated. Was, oh my God, I was thinking that. <laughs> he imper- no, it's not even that bad. He impersonated. It's just Southern. He impersonated. <laughs> Florida um, man? He, he, he impersonated somebody. He tried to impersonate someone to get a good deal on drum kit stuff in a music store. So he, he, impers- he tried to impersonate I, a. I saw this story. A musician? I saw yes. this story. Jim, who did he try to impersonate? Yep. The drummer from Nickelback. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm true. I'm Daniel Adair, the drummer from Nickelback. Even though I look nothing like the man. <laughs> Wait, no, back up. Hi, I'm Daniel Adair. Who, Who? the drummer from Nickelback? <laughs> Who? <laughs> it's like, can we get up off Nickelback? No, please? absolutely not. Yes, no. You if have you to. can, if you can, you if you can it. rant, if you can rant about Joel Hodgson, I can make jokes about Nickelback. I can make potato jokes about Dan Quayle. Sorry, <laughs> if, if people are still making Nixon jokes, I still get to make Nickelback jokes. Okay, then I'm gonna point out like Steve Martin. This is like doing Ike jokes at this point. Yeah. I mean, my God, I, I saw this story and I went and I, I asked all the questions you're obviously asking through your questions. <laughs> Does the drummer from Nickelback have that sort of leverage <laughs> or cachet? Well, because that's, supposedly that's the the deal, right? As soon as you get rich, people just start giving you stuff. So, well, like having that, all that but, money is but, pointless because you're going to go to the Oscars and get nominated for best picture or a uh, best director or best actor and get a, a quarter gift of bag a million worth, dollar worth bag. a quarter of a million yeah. dollars that we just talked about. Yeah, but it's, is that? I mean, I suppose that's the notion that you went to some poor schmuck uh, drum store. Because it was twenty five thousand dollars worth, yeah. Uh, it was a if bunch. I, yeah, I got it. I, it was a, I was more interested in the Nickelback thing. Yeah, twenty five thousand bucks. So I mean, to That's me, a lot of drum quit, drum equipment. Well, thank, thank mm-hmm. you. I mean, that was exactly my point. Even, a, even played, like the high end stuff. That's a lot. I had a drum set when I was a kid, and I realized that was a few years ago. But twenty five thousand dollars that might have bought me a Peter Chris Kiss special, <laughs> like the full the, the full yeah, rack like, with the double bass. 40 drums and 20 cymbals and, cymbals and a gong and and the Tommy <laughs> Lee rotating cage the big spinning That's Tommy thing. Lee. <laughs> but yeah I mean it's it's yeah how do you end Detroit Rock City if you don't have a gong after all <laughs> I but like, it, but I like a gong in the studio here here we go that, that's fun and uh to wrap on number three here of seriously, seriously yeah um Melrose Place veteran Grant Show, who yeah, yeah. has been yeah, wait, has been wait has, wait 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 has you been, don't get to do that has been tapped uh, to uh, play a uh, uh, an iconic character from um, a reboot of a seventies eighties 
evening soap opera. What? Evening. They did Dallas a while back. They uh, redid Dallas. Di- Dynasty? They're doing Dynasty. Dynasty. Okay. And we just talked about Ted McGinley having been hey, in the last few yeah. years of Dynasty. So maybe if he can't do the reboot of Happy Days like he wants. He, he wants go, to do a reboot of could, everything. He could do the reboot of Dynasty and ruin that. Yep. I. How does one ruin Dynasty? Uh, one makes a second one. There <laughs> we go. Okay. There, that, I'll go that Is far. there ever going to be anything more iconic than, than Joan Collins and Linda Evans, like, Hair pulling in the fountain out in front of the giant house when they're having the, the no. cat fight, or the no, fire that except, killed a third of the cast. <laughs> it, except they, it's evidently, if you watch the footage, not them. Yeah, that's true. But they, they, they parodied but they, that on. They SNL. famously parodied on that with SNL when they when they wiped out the entire cast except of SNL for, except, except for, for John Lovitz, John Lovitz and Nora Dunn. Yes. Oh, did she survive yes. too? Yeah, she made it through that. Okay. John Lovitz was the joke one where that Lauren got him out of the room mm-hmm. at the end of the previous season. And when yeah. they came back that next year, he and Nora Dunn were the only two uh. left. Um. <laughs> so so uh. who is he going to be? He's going to be Blake Carrington. Uh, okay. They're not going to see what they need to do is have, was it John Forsyth? John Forsyth. Who, yep. Come back. Is he still Charlie. alive? Charlie. Yeah, is, nope. he, is he still? Nope. Oh, he's gone. Okay, because because that's what they did with Dallas. They just made it the younger generation, and they actually had some of the old actors come back and reprise their roles. But I guess he can't do that, so he's going to be the new Blake. So that all it'll be the you know the 2017 version of people with way too much money. You know, whatever wow. rich, whatever rich looks like now, as opposed to what rich looked like then. So there you go, Ted McGinley, get on. Wow. wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I have some seriously news, sort of. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a uh, man in his fifties was found seriously uh, oh, sorry. in his in his apartment, dead, uh, by the landlord who went over um, after he hadn't paid his rent in a while. Okay. Found dead uh, in his bedroom under a giant pile of porn <laughs> in uh, Arlington, Virginia. Uh, former FBI special agent. Fox William Mulder. <laughs> what? <laughs> born October 13th, 1961. Hadn't been seen in six months. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Some guy in Japan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's describing what could have happened to Mulder at any point in Right, time. but now when you say a big pile of porn, do you mean he had like a bunch of magazines on top yes. of him? Were they videotapes? Was it um, magazines? It says six tons of porn. And there are pictures, what? and it says it's it's magazines. It says I'll buy that. Paper's heavy. Yeah, stack a box yeah, full but... full of paper, top to bottom. It's heavy. They have a lot of pictures. it's wood. You're you're yeah. looking around wood. Oh. <laughs> that's that's so where he was. Paper in, comes from. He is essentially a hoarder and had filled his entire house with porn. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. I get it now. All right. Yeah. yeah. He well, wasn't because... un- he wasn't under the six tons. <laughs> it didn't fall off the shelf right. in the closet onto him. Well, I thought he might be going Scrooge McDuck with a magazine. I was that was my first thought was that he would he decided he wanted to swim in the porn magazines and that's disgusting. (laughs) They actually weighed it. Oh it was thirteen thousand two hundred and twenty eight pounds. Jeez. And the building he was in didn't collapse. (laughs) The floor. Yeah. Must have been concrete. What's your pounds per square foot there? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, guys, look, you're gonna have to leave me behind on this one, okay? That's okay. We're not gonna talk about architecture stuff oh but yes the, we uh, are oh crap <laughs> son of a 
you better make next week's episode better make up for this (laughs) (laughs) well this is tangentially architecture it's mostly about making fun of some something we want to make fun of okay go ahead okay Uh, i'm going to redact a couple of words from this first paragraph so that we have a surprise, right? Don't so that to, you know this, so that you it doesn't get spoiled. You don't want you guys. The, you don't want you don't want to hit the punchline too quick. Exactly. Gotcha. So, making laps around the one billion dollar plus mostly taxpayer funded Coliseum began at six a.m. and lasted two hours. The volunteers represented three conver- uh, conservate conversation conservation groups: Audubon Chapter of Redacted, Redacted Citizens <laughs> for the Protection of Migratory Birds, and Friends of Robert's Bird Sanctuary. Their mission was to confirm the worst. To see if the stadium, with its 200,000 square feet of clear and reflective glass, is so indistinguishable to birds that the creatures crash into it like something out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. <laughs> Welcome to the avian killing fields. Yes, that's I, right. I, I, I will tell you this. I, as you guys, I think, you know, I appear on a, on a radio show here in town called the Packerverse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where we talk about the mighty green and gold. and We talk about it. But the, the, the host, one of the aldermen here in town, takes a meta view of football and politics and believes that when Bud Grant, legendary host of the Minnesota Vikings, accepted moving Minnesota football indoors, he forever cursed this franchise. (laughs) Because Minnesota football, like Green Bay football, should be played out freaking doors. Yeah, they're about it. Not in some sort of dome. The same latitude, aren't they? Pretty close. Roughly. Uh, almost exactly. Yeah. Almost exactly. And and to that point, when he acquiesced, this is not a joke, when the week after he did a press conference saying it was okay for the first time, about, I think it was 1,400 acres of land he owned in on the Wisconsin side of the border, burned. <laughs> because in the view of the host of the show I appear on, the nature spirits were displeased and said, <laughs> you have turned your back on us, so we burn your land. Now, what is happening outside? And what is the name of that monstrosity, by the way? Uh, U- uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. U.S. Bank Stadium in sure. Minneapolis. That's what we're talking about, folks. Yep. This, this thing has turned into an avian abattoir. <laughs> yep. They predict that it will kill 500 birds annually. <laughs> Even if and it you, make well, come on. We all live it only kills the jerks. What? We, well, we all live in homes and apartments with glass, right? Yeah, yeah every We've once in a while it happens. Yeah, right. So if you erect a giant one, mm-hmm. which doesn't have a lot, as I look at it, has mostly vertical surfaces. There, and the other thing is, they're not going to be glancing blows. Oh, oh, you know what? We have to keep this in mind, given given where we live and the the local sports team down here. Yeah. When um, Atlanta goes up there, and if they lose, we can make jokes about birds dying. Nice. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and it's, it's and, 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 and the Ravens and the Seahawks <laughs> and the, and the Eagles. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what, so okay, so what they got to do is they got to get a hold of the people at Fathead, the people that do the big stickers. <laughs> and, and, and come up with fathead stickers with their mascot splatting into the glass. <laughs> and just stick them up all over the stadium. No, no, no. Just one one for every loss. Oh, the, oh, you do it like the college the college like players the with the helmets, helmets with the stickers, stickers on their helmets. Yeah. That, you know, every time the Atlanta Falcons lose, 
<laughs> or any or any bird themed bird team. team. You should yeah. you have a, a, an outline of one of their players <laughs> splatting into <laughs> the window. <laughs> Guys, we need to write that down and market that. <laughs> Demand yeah, that, a cut. Yeah, that won't that won't anger all of the bird lovers yeah, and people. Yeah. Yeah, have the Autobot Society picketing nerd burger. <laughs> no, they pick it up there. <laughs> Where they're already mad. Oh, um, well, that's true. But no, we, we you, Craig, you brought up the Falcons, who also mm-hmm. have a new fancy, faceted, architecturally significant whatever stadium yeah. that is um that, big, that has that big glass a box. bunch of of angled silver metal panels all mm-hmm. over it that are reflecting the afternoon sun onto <laughs> the people in the poor neighborhood <laughs> that they demolished some of, including a historic church, to build that thing. Yeah. It's reflecting the sun onto them. In, the, in their houses, in the hood, nice, and they're all complaining. Well, I, well, I would. Can you imagine how unpleasant that is for several hours a day? Mm-hmm. Well, then just move. That's e- wait no. yeah. for somebody move your that's poor, stupid for some, house for somebody stupid. that doesn't have a lot of money. That's actually really difficult. Yeah, eh, screw well, you. we've got. Well, hey, we've Jeez. got, and I, <laughs> I wondered about this, Craig. You know the area. You know, 794, the home bridge here in Milwaukee fires north-south, <laughs> kind of right along the lake. The yep. bridge what was falling down once long ago. That, the, the bridge the, that the, the Illinois bridge. Nazis drove off of. Correct. The very one. <laughs> yep. But more importantly, and, like, what was it, 15 years ago or something like that? It was like a big chunk, oh, a big chunk fell chunk of off it of just it. fell off. Yeah. That, was, that, was like, oh, yeah. that was the moment everybody in the country took notice of how terrible our, our infrastructure, infrastructure was. <laughs> when the part of the home bridge in Milwaukee just fell off. And I yep. talked to somebody who was on the bridge like when it happened. They had just passed. Ooh. They, not, they weren't like where the chunk fell off. And the chunk that fell off wouldn't have killed it. It was just a big piece. It did, it's not like there was a big hole in the bridge. Right. Um, but like they, that spillway they heard, in California. They, felt, they, they like heard the, they heard this smash behind them. And then they found out later that it was a piece of the bridge falling off. Oops. Yeah. No, that, that that's the bridge. And it fires north-south right along the lake. And it points as you're going north straight into the heart of our brand new lakefront development area mm-hmm. with Northwestern Mutual Life and a brand new condominium. And I was hauling down there just the other day. And if you're there at the right time of day, there are some serious glare reflections coming off those bad boys. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, did we plan for this? Probably not. No. That's kind of, that kind of stuff happens. Because <laughs> suddenly it's going to be like going into turn one at the Phoenix International Raceway at dusk. And it's going to be bad. Oh, and you're yeah. all just gonna grab the wheel at two and ten and hope for the best. Yeah, well there's there's um I twenty that comes into Atlanta from the west. And um I think part of this reflection off the stadium is pointing directly at that. Uh, but fortunately that's at the end of the day when everyone's driving in the opposite direction to get out of town. So oh. it's in their rearview mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> that's better. That's better. But yeah, you'd never want to drive directly at the sun or the sun reflecting off of something. Right. Yeah. Because that's that's just a recipe for a disaster. You gotta put your sunglasses on, you gotta lower your your visor all the way, and then like pull yourself up in your seat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that <laughs> it is my right as an American to slouch when I drive. No, but you got to get your head up above the bottom of the yeah. visor so that you. And that, but but you know, here's the thing about that: that's obstructing what about three quarters of my view? Yeah, I don't feel like a safe driver. I feel no. like I'm driving an M1 tank. I know. 
Well, it's either that or be, you know, blind. Oh, right. Completely. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, bird-killing stadiums are on the loose. This is awesome. Wouldn't have been a problem if they'd have built a proper stadium like we did in Green Bay. That's right. <laughs> Best people stadium see, ever. People, you know, people say, oh, my gosh, you've got to go to Minneapolis. No, they don't. <laughs> no, nobody people says say, that. People say, oh, my gosh, you've got to go to the Gerodome in Dallas. No, they don't. <laughs> People say, oh, my gosh, we've got to go to Lambeau. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, hey, I'll say this on the TV show, The League. It is set in Chicago. The characters, while they play fantasy football, they are, in fact, Bears fans. And they make a big deal out of the Bears on occasion. And certain Bears players come on and cameo and stuff. They make one. They make a point in one episode about one of them has tickets to see the Bears play the Packers in Lambeau Field. And he wants to make sure he gets a chance to go to Lambeau Field. Nice. (laughs) They did their homework. Because their stadium sucks too. Of course it goes. Oh man! Of course it goes poorly. <laughs> I don't think anybody ends up going to Lambeau Field, <laughs> as it has for the better part of thirty years. But anyway, hey, let's try to modernize our historic structure, our historic <laughs> stadium, and let's, let's let's see how can we screw this up as badly as possible. How can we ruin this? Yeah, it's a classical. It's a it's a true classical classical design, right? Mm-hmm. They've got all these Doric well, pillars firing goes, down the length of it on both It goes sides. with all of those buildings that are on the lakefront there, the museum and the the the, the yeah. aquarium. What uh-huh. else is down there? Oh, they've well the uh, the George Lucas Museum. Oh wait, no, it's not. Because <laughs> they screwed that up. They were in the running they, to get uh, the George Lucas Museum. <laughs> they were the number one candidate. Huh. They were the number one candidate, but they couldn't cut the deal for the land. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of good articles in the, in the Chicago Tribune about it. Hmm. Yeah, they they George Lucas had the designs, had the renderings, showed where it was going to fit. It was going to fit actually very well. Admittedly, he wanted some of the most valuable real estate on the planet to be given to him. Is he from Chicago? Why on earth would it go there? It was I I forget the t- connection. I think it actually maybe his wife was oh. from this area. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. I thought it was just between L.A. and San Francisco. L.A. won, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it'll be in L.A., but which which makes more sense. Don't get me wrong. Hollywood, but, and all. yeah, yeah, the sh- and well, also the fact that it it was intended to have this sort of year round outside component, <laughs> which the lake in Chicago does not lend itself to. No, and and Green Bay figured that out by building a year round inside component around right. the stadium. <laughs> you want well, to experience yeah, well, the outdoors? Well. Sure, go to a game in the winter, but then we'll provide you with everything else indoors. Have Have you been up to see what they're doing up there? I've ke- I know I I've uh, kept track it's, of it on the internet though. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I went up there, took my son up there. Uh, well, well, too, but I I wanted to take him to see it and take the tour. It is nuts what they are doing all the way to the border of the county now. Yep, they they're intending to do this as a full year round thing, and it's all built around. And I always say. What happens when it happens? It'll probably happen. I hate to say it, when the Packers start to suck again. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been 30 years. It's a good run, so I don't know. But yeah, so they, they wanted to put the, uh, you know, they, they, they wanted to build this elaborate, classical, improved stadium, and they decided to land a spaceship on top of it. Mm-hmm. Well, not just and, on top of it, but inside of it and around it, and you can't, you don't experience what's there that they left. Like they right. almost pre- they almost co- covered it up completely. I just don't I don't get it. I, the McCaskies are 
are wild drunks. I don't get it. It's like they they intentionally squished this stadium that's too small. Like they went out of their way to go inside of those rows of columns, those colonnades. <laughs> yes. So that they were so that they were the colonnades were still visible from the outside. And I'm like, why wouldn't you want to see them from the inside? Or maybe one side, but both? <laughs> and you've got these, and- these almost vertical tiers of seats. I can't imagine how, how, what it's like to watch football in there. It looks it's like terrible on TV. Forward. Yeah. Like you're going to fall out and, and into, the, into the field. We're boring, Craig. He's asleep. <laughs> Sorry. What? Hey. This has been football design. <laughs> At least it's football architecture. Fair enough. Right. Half interesting. Speaking of dead birds. Oh, good Lord. At uh, anybody planning to go to South by Southwest this year? <laughs> uh, this, this, this year, this year, really? Yeah. As if I've gone in the past <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, I, I I hear it's a good time. <laughs> you can see lots of bands. It's it's already entered lots of, into watch its watch second phase. Though. You know, it was. Well, it's it's overblown it and big, and you I mean you have to be prepared for super, what it is now. There was a time when it was just like it was this cool right. festival. Yeah. Now it's just yes. now it's commercial yes. and stupid. It's like Gen Con. Yeah. Moving on. Anyway, they're building a oh. a a giant Los Pollos Hermanos restaurant mm. at South by Southwest. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because shh, it's a secret. Gus except, Spring is gonna be back. Except on that they've Better been except that they've been publicizing it. Oh with my po- god, Los Pollos everywhere. Hermanos commercials. commercials. <laughs> I know. Um on a quick side note on the Gen Con thing, Jim, I won't. I will not be attending Gen Con this year. Wow. Um, Does this interrupt a string for you? Uh, no, no. I I haven't gone the last couple of years because, frankly, Gen Con is out of control, um, and I yes. can't justify the money for the uh, the headache um, and getting a room. And we've talked about all this to death. Yeah. yeah. However, I yeah. have found my replacement. I think it is in November. Outside of the normal uh, crazy season, you know, the, the the summer convention season in November. The PAX folks are starting up PAX Unplugged. PAX is Penny Arcade oh. Expo. It is a video game convention. They oh, do yeah. three different ones um, around, yep. and they have a, there's like an RPG segment to it, but it's mostly a video game thing. And the RPG thing has gotten so big that they said it's time for an Just RPG convention. Spin it off on its own. And it's going to be uh, three days, and it's going to be put together as well as the PAX conventions are. And it's going to be um, great out of, right out of the gate from everything I can. I, I can hear about it and, and you know, just knowing PAX's yeah. uh, reputation. And it's going to be where? And it's going to be in Philly. Oh. It's not quite a drive. It's probably a flight. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> well, I could I could do it as a drive. It'd be well, a very sure. long drive. Could, yeah. I mean, you could little, drive to Alaska if you wanted to. Well, it'd be a little longer than Indy. <laughs> it'd be a little longer than Indy. It'd be like an all-day drive rather than like a yeah. two-thirds of a day drive. But um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I've officially replaced Origins. Into my Gen Con slot, so yeah, go to Origins. Anywho, what else we got? Because we got Jim, we got Jim's got a rant on on uh, on on deck. So we're okay. How are we I for got news? Stuff. It's rant time. Okay, Jim, uh, tell us about uh, the problems you have with certain board games. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> have you guys played Talisman? Yes, Ever. I have a great Over story about many that. lifetimes. Yes. I have a story about that. I would, I would love to hear it. Um, tell it. Talisman is the one and only um, RPG board game, card game, pretty much any game um, 
where I got one time physically violent with another player. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Mike, you've known me I, for a long time. Jim, you've known me for quite a while. I'm not a I'm not an angry guy. I no, don't get no. physical. I I rarely get really truly mad. You um, get irritated. I get irritated, but I don't, you know. I'm pretty even tempered about stuff most of the time. We were playing except Talisman. Hack, original hack on Joel Hudson. Yeah. Original um version of Talisman with all of the expansions. So it had the dungeon and the city and the yeah, yeah. T- timescape. Yep. Timescape was the sci-fi thing that you tacked onto the side of this game. And if you could find the portal into timescape, you could run around inside there for a little while and grab all of the broken equipment, all of the stuff that's too good for the game. And Josh, the guy who owned the game, not Josh on the show, different Josh. Um, Josh would set up your TV. Yes. Josh uh, would regularly, um, when we played it, find his way into timescape, find the three most powerful broken items and just start tearing through the game. And, and like the third time it happened, I punched him <laughs> in the shoulder, but as hard as I could, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Hey, you punched me in the shoulder. And that became, yeah. And that became a, well, I did that for money. Yeah. Um, that became a running gag with that group for years afterwards. Watch out. Craig's going to get mad <laughs> one time. I don't know where that money is. Um, and then the one time I ever uh, rage flipped a board game was playing <laughs> Payday with my neighbor across the street when I was about twelve. <laughs> I flipped the whole game. Like I was so I was so mad. So go ahead, board wow. games. Wow, that's 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 awesome. That's what that is because I know exactly. The, now, I do not hate Talisman as a concept. It's a dumb game. Mm-hmm. It is a it it is fantasy shoots and ladders. <laughs> Kind of. With a lot of extra rules. Well, all it is is roll and move. Yeah. That's that's all it is. And it starts out as a simple concept, as a simple board around a, you know, it's a, it's a, it, it's got just one path that you walk back and forth on, and then it's got an inner path that you get to walk back and forth on. Yep. And you find your way in, and along the way you pick up cards, there's a bunch of characters, fantasy. You folks. fight monsters, maybe you fight the other players, take their stuff. Right. And it's, and it's there's there's a whole lot of that, and it's it's also got a deep 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 vein of F your buddy in it, okay? <laughs> it that's 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 what it is. It's a it's an A move around the board, roll and move, and then B screw your buddy. That that's that's what it is. That's what this <laughs> game is. So and again, I don't hate that. It was incredibly popular in the '90s. I remember uh, Alan, our mutual friend, had everything. He had this, and this was his. He loved to play this game. And, and, and Vooch. he had all... Vooch. Vooch. Who and might be on the show the someday. Vooch. And, and so he played it. Yeah. And then it went out of print because GW, stupidly, they've realized the stupidity. They've, they went away from their specialized board games and into their miniatures more. And it became incredibly expensive. That was, that was the, the novelty of Josh having it. You couldn't find that game anywhere. Josh had a copy of everything, and that was the that was very much the novelty for us. And given the fact that he did have everything, I'm not kidding when I say at one point, if he really had everything, including all the metal miniatures yeah. that they made for it, it would go for over a thousand bucks. Yep. Wow. It was in good condition. Yeah. Now his was beat yeah, up. It, we we played the hell out of that game, and he played it with other people. Sure. I think it was beat up. But a good condition game with all the miniatures and all the stuff I saw go on at the auction at Gen Con for over a grand. So then a company 
Black uh, the Black Library spun off from GW and got permission to do it, and they did a one-off Black uh, Black Box edition that was the hot item at Gen Con one year. I got it there, but then, but then the very next year, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. very next year, um, Final Fa- uh, Fantasy Flight Games picked it up. Yep, and they've had it ever since. Now, I had forgotten about it. I bought the Black Label, the Black Library version. And the the update kit because the black library was half it was half baked, and Fantasy Flight fixed it, gave us new miniatures, gave us new rules, good stuff. I played it a couple times and I set it aside. I then went ah, about six months ago now to my FLGS favorite favorite I, local game store, fa- friendly local game store, friendly exactly. local game store. Yeah. And I was walking around, and there's this dude. At a table, playing all of Talisman. <laughs> yeah. Getting punched by Craig. <laughs> he, I did not know. They have come out with so many expansions. I'm not kidding. It's got to be seven. Jeez, oh, more than and that. And that's just, so. Now you've got the rectangular board, and at each corner of the rectangular board they have cut a wedge-shaped piece that you that can fits slot onto yep. that corner yep <laughs> slot and, another and board so in there leave, yeah you can leave the main board and wander onto that board they've added these meta characters death that wanders around jacking you up which by the way is just <laughs> another screw your buddy mechanic <laughs> nice <laughs> they've got a werewolf that guess what is intended to screw your buddy They've got these side pieces, and then they have added what do gamers want ever since the stories of the Monty Hall dungeon from the first edition D&D, uh, um, Dungeon Master's Guide? We want more loot. So they came out with item decks and adventure decks and character decks. I'm not kidding. There are 40 little decks of cards <laughs> Yeah. that this guy – so as I, when I say this guy was playing Talisman – he was swimming in talisman. <laughs> he was rolling around in talisman as if it were six tons of corn. <laughs> he and and there are three people at the table with him that he's leading through this experience. Now, notionally, this is a competitive game, but these people have no hope. He's just he knows he's done this apparently more than once for reasons that escape me. <laughs> And, and he is taking these people on this hell ride. Not since really walking <laughs> took the kids through the tunnel. You know, he's like, all right, you are here in the highlands. You can go there or there. If you go there, I'll move death over to you. If you go there, you go down the ladder into the trap. In the trap, you'll have to roll 2d6 on a 10. Oh, do you want to re-roll? Why? This isn't fun. <laughs> but for some people, it is, Jim. No, no, <laughs> no. They... they that is like saying, well, for some people, shooting heroin is fun. They it's, think it is, but it's not. You know, it, it, it can be. In the I've been told. <laughs> I just, I, I was watching this and thinking, <laughs> and I went home and I bought on Steam at the Steam sale, where every Steam at, every year at Christmas, Steam opens up all their games for like a dollar, it seems. And certainly if it's an older game. So I went, I saw, oh, look, Talisman, Digital Edition, Season Pass. Oh, well, that's $12. I'll buy that. Sure, why not? 
I then went back and loaded up Steam after I saw this depressing spectacle. And I went, do I get all? And I do. They gave me all this in the digital version. I'm counting card decks. I'm counting characters. There are 50 characters you can play, and they're <laughs> adding more. Because I bought the season pass, I'm entitled to everything they do, even if I don't necessarily want it. Hey, Jim. Yes. It's almost like these people are collectors and they have all these they just want to have all the talisman pieces because they love the thing so much and they're, so they're going to the so the, the company's going to just keep pumping it out, you know, like you buy thousands of lead minis. Ooh. I would like to argue <laughs> that I learned this exact lesson at Historicon. It's why I don't paint or really play with lead minis anymore. Is because I flew out to Virginia to play the Battle of Wagram in 28 millimeter lead. I can send you the link to this game, okay? I played this game for 14 hours, <laughs> and most of my troops moved a grand total of two feet. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been because, raining. <laughs> because that's that's because, the problem, right? With those armies, muddy ground, you didn't get anywhere. Anyway, yeah, that's right. You got your cannons stuck in the mud. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Gotta wait till it dries out. Uh, and it's because sooner or later, this game, Shaco Two, a great set of miniatures. I would recommend it to anyone learning. Starts out where everybody gets a division of infantry, a little <laughs> cavalry, and a couple guns, and the other side gets the same thing, and they go. That was amazing. I loved this game. Surely it'll work if I play a core on either side. <laughs> and, and they do. And it's like, well, wow, that was fun too. But wow, it took, it took a while. Well, what the heck? It's a convention coming up and we love painting figures. When you see the video of how many figures, I'm not kidding. It's 7,000 lead figures on a table. 28 millimeter. God. The table, the table is twenty eight feet long by <laughs> by seven feet here's wide. Here's what it's I have to, to reach the middle. Here's what I have to say about that game: setting up the minis before you play the game takes longer than any game I want to play, other than RP, other than RPGs, and board These game, guys, card game kind of stuff. I don't want something that takes more than our ideally. I'll I'll cope with ninety minutes for for a board game or a card game. Care to guess how long this took? To set up. I happen to know. Yeah. yeah. I happen to know. Two hours. What? Two hours to set up. They, they, you mean Talisman or this Wagram game? The, the, the minis. Uh, they showed up <laughs> at noon the previous day. It's going to take a half an hour just to unpack the, just to put the, get the minis out of the box onto the table. It's going to take you they, half an hour if you just dump they, them. Up, that's you know. being charitable, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. They finished the setup <laughs> at 2 a.m. the next morning. Okay. Yeah, okay. See, so that, no, no, thank you. I wait, can, it took them I can fourteen run a, hours to set up. Uh huh. And then I, fourteen hours to play. Uh huh. <laughs> I can run an entire murders and acquisitions campaign in that time. Did they at least put everything? I will away tell a in complete like story. Hours? All of your characters will have dramatic arcs. I'll introduce and kill off important NPCs. <laughs> and that's twenty eight well, hours. And, and and just as a callback to Shane Hensley, that's why he invented Savage. Fast and Furious, it, baby. He said, "He said we are now at a stage in our lives, many of us, where 
the the day of the weekend long campaign is probably in the past. It's we need to get together maybe once every other week and tell a cool story in three hours. And and only and you only need a half an in hour to three profit. hours. Yep. Right. And that's assuming and and you know the next time you come you'll have your character all set so we can even cut that out of the out of the mix. Right. Yep. And we'll tell a cool story. You'll kill a boss. You'll feel you did something. So all the way back to Talisman, I. Hmm. Oh, and Jim. I, Real quick, yeah. It's funny that you brought up the number fourteen because that's how many expansions since two thousand and eight <laughs> is in this list I'm looking at for Talisman. Uh huh. <laughs> I think you said seven. Yeah, twice that. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, and 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 then and then this same. And Craig, of course you're right. It comes from this impulse of I liked this. Oh, I really super duper liked this. There's more of it. Therefore, if I have I want more, all of it, it will be better. And the same <laughs> syndrome has bitten other games. Firefly, the board game. <laughs> has that gotten out of control? It's a great little board game. It plays too slowly for what it is. The base game is a four to six hour experience, oh. depending, on how, depending on how many times you've played it. Kill me. <laughs> when you, uh, well, you know Stephen Fluey, yeah? Storyteller yeah. from Kids Kingdom. Mm -hmm. This is his jam, and I see him post on Facebook. I'm rolling out all the ex expansions, all the snacks. We're going 14 hours. Again, 14. Yeah, hey, yeah. if that's <laughs> and, your. Well, and hey, going, you know what? That makes Jim's like been there, done that. No thanks. No, no. <laughs> I figured out. I know why the 14 hours works. Why? Um, if you get if you if you're you know at our age and you want to make sure you get eight hours of sleep. You've only got 16 hours to work with. <laughs> yeah. And you give yourself two hours to, uh, you know, shower and shave and to have a couple meals. Yep. And, and to. Then you're left with 14. That's your, that's your game day. Right. And then, mm -hmm. and then, and then to, to travel there and back. Well, whatever. Sure. You go over to your buddy's house, cross, cross town, half hour, whatever. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And so, so <laughs> the rest of the day is gaming. Hey, and, and if you know what? If that's your, if that's your thing, cool. <laughs> Just not mine. Oh no, and that's and that's the thing. It just I I am allowed to stand back in wonder and go, really? Have you tried? I I could list thousands of games. These light, simple games that are engaging. Have you guys played Captain Sonar? <laughs> no, no. Captain Sonar. If you can get if if you have six friends, I know it can be hard to come by these days at our age. <laughs> but if you have six friends, the two of you play this game. Each of you divide into two teams of four, and each team is running its own submarine, and it's a real time game where you have to give orders to each other. One person is maneuvering the sub, another person is handling the. It's it's got some great mechanisms. It's all real time. Everybody's shouting, and it takes twenty five minutes. Nice per hmm. game. I've got uh, I've got to point out for everybody here. It occurred to me that when uh, you told us to round up six friends. Um, yes. You didn't. You didn't say, "Hey, Craig, round up six friends," or "Hey, Mike, round up." You said, "Craig and Mike, like between the two of us, <laughs> if we can scrape together six friends." Getting six people together in a room is a challenge these yeah, days. Yeah, that's that's true, and that's what sucks because <laughs> this game really shines at eight players, and um, it's a twenty-five minute game. And therefore, when you're done, you can play another. You can play another round, or you could play something else. I I I cop to this. I was at Origins last year, and I walked over because I wanted to see these dudes. There were these guys playing the, the game Lebatai de Aspern Essling. 
they showed up on Wednesday of Origins and played nothing else till Saturday night. I love Napoleonic Warfare. I really do. Okay? I really, really do. Yeah, anybody who's that, listened to you, we know that. You mentioned it every episode. I do. And that's, I do. And I will not stop. And because everybody should like it with me. Um, but they, it, it just, there are limits. And board gaming, this talisman thing, really set me off. And it, it launched me into, the, the other area it launched me into is rules complexity. Now, I don't know how many board games do this in terms of uh, hobby market board games because you turn off the world, right? But I noticed this about about Murders and Acquisitions. I noticed this about Savage Worlds. I wonder about this with Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know how you're drawing people into the hobby when the first thing you do is throw them a book that resembles nothing but the Bible. And the I, I, I picked up the player's manual. D&D. It's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's 50 freaking bucks. And it's tiny, tiny text over many, many pages. Mm-hmm. I can tell you exactly and how it I happens. And I'm surprised. I am su- Go ahead. Uh, this is how it happens. First of all, it's D&D. Okay? Okay. Person wants, they've heard of D&D if they want to play D&D. They'll do the homework to play D&D. Um, second of all, if you're if the person who's introducing you to the game is, um, well, well, actually, I say this first. First, if you're somebody who is younger and has a lot of time, then you know devouring that book is no big deal. If you're older and getting into the game, that's where it becomes the issue that you're talking about. Yep. And if you have a GM or a friend or whoever it is that's bringing into you bringing you into the game, who is um, in any way uh, sympathetic to you, your lack of free time, in, you know comparable to their own they will give you the book and say okay read chapter one and chapter three that's all you need to know to start play a fighter no spells you know just give you the give you well, give you give you just the core give you something to work from that's that's my play or they'll sit down with you and they'll, and they'll and they'll just they'll, exp, they'll just explain the game to you and build a character with you and then you'll learn on the fly and then you'll kind of slowly absorb the game as you go that's very true but there's you know there's lots of games out there that are much lighter on all of that and it's become a bigger deal i think the robust games have the truly truly robust games have mostly gone away and i think part of the reason is hobby gaming has understood what is appealing in rpgs and tried to create a gentler more accessible experience i give you dissent also, the average age of the gamer has increased, and the complex the, the complexity of their lives has increased. When sure. when RPGs were in their infancy, everybody who was playing it was high school to college or very young adult, yes. where you perhaps didn't have a family, you had more free time, you could devote that time when you were in in high school or whatever, uh, junior high, you could you know game all weekend, all summer long, or in college when you had no supervision. Yeah. And you could just skip your classes. <laughs> right. But then, but now that the average, there's still plenty of young folk getting into it, younger folks, but it, the average age is, is higher up there, you know? So I they're, think, they're, yeah. the game design is changing because of that. Um, well, I, I, I mean, there's, there's, there's not kids. a lot of, there's not a lot of people out there. You don't see a lot of talk about any of the really simulationist mech games anymore, you know, battle tech and all right. that stuff where you had to keep track of every stinking missile you had. And you've got like armor plating on different types of armor plating on different parts of your mech, all this hit location and soak and 
you don't yeah, that that crunchy stuff that you gotta like you gotta read the whole book if you're gonna play the game because you gotta know all these pieces. <laughs> no, I just want to play a game. I got six stats, ten skills, um, some hit points, and I swing a sword. You know, there's a game. There's a game for you out there that'll keep it simple. By the way, by the way, Craig, I I, I may it may be your epitaph. I may put this on here. I love that line. <laughs> chapter one, chapter three. Be a fighter. No spells. <laughs> that's, that's 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 not bad. That's um, that's not bad. That's not bad guide to life. Tell you the truth. Well, and I I that's honestly that's how I started gaming. That you know when my friend Tag introduced me to it, he said, "Here, you read this part and this part, and then figure out what you want to play." And I said, "I'm going to play a fighter. I'm going to keep it simple." My first character was first level fighter. Oh no! And, and everybody I've introduced to D and D, I've always started off with the story part, and I said we'll figure out the math later. And I've made you the know, we'll, I've we'll made the mistake of bringing in somebody relatively new to gaming, brand new to to D and D, and like they, they joined the campaign when we we're at tenth level and played a bard, and tried to fi- <laughs> and tried to figure out how to make that character useful. Other otherwise known as your next character, Bob. <laughs> um, but no, I and, and it's and it goes into your point about. Fasa, well, actually not Fasa, no, it's Catalyst. Battletech is very well taken. Because I, I don't know as they know what they're doing right now. I think they're deeply conflicted about where they need to take this. Especially when you have games like MechWare Online, where it's like, no, I don't want to paint and build terrain and roll dice when I can get into this game and stomp around on my mech and shoot you in the head. <laughs> you know, which is what I wanted to do in the first place anyway. But it also affects, it affects in, in my niche, Wargaming where there's an incredible divide between guys that want to play things like Advanced Squad Leader, that if, if you want to look up the rulebook online, it actually comes in a three-inch D-ring binder. Hmm. And this no, is to play you. a game. Now, <laughs> this is sort of the opposite of the Talisman thing. Remember I told you Talisman has this ridiculous footprint now with its 14 expansions? <laughs> Advanced Squad Leader plays on a board most scenarios that is four inches by 11 and a half inches. And yet it requires a binder of rules three inches thick to play. <laughs> and people wonder why, why does no one want to play with me? Does this, game, does this game teach you to fold space? <laughs> <laughs> it's This game has a rule Jeez. for the Finnish troops during the Russo-Finnish War of 1939. <laughs> For how, for how they lit their campfires at night to deceive the Russians. Of course it does. <laughs> this, a, a, a kindred set of rules known as the Operational Combat Series, there's a great game in that series called DAC, Deutsche Afrika Corps, that had a rule that the Italian troops fighting the British 8th Army in the desert need an adequate water supply to make sure that they can boil their pasta. Because the Italian troops cared so much about their pasta that their morale would precipitously decline if they weren't able to have it on a daily rational basis. So there's a rule for that, too. And this is on a 4 by 11 and a half inch board. Well, Dak is on a big board, but ASL, oh. the one with the fires and the Russell finish war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, on, that's on a 4 by 11. And how many nanometers tall are the minis in that game? <laughs> they're not minis, they're chits. They're little, little, little squares of cardboard. <laughs> And and it's an obsession. There's a tournament right near me. The Nationals are held. Thousands of men play this. There, I've never been a woman who plays this. Not one. Huh. I, know the, I know the one breathing woman who plays the Operational Combat Series. She's the wife of a friend of mine. 
how she plays. But then again, she teaches at the War College. Um, so, but it's it's amazing to me. And I made this point about the uh, pasta rule. I said this is where role playing games happen. In role playing games, if that situation were to come up, I don't know how, but if it were. The GM would just say, uh, yeah, you're at a minus one. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, oh, you didn't get your pasta ratio. Okay, so Luigi, the NPC, is angry. Why he doesn't have his pasta? That means he's going to be on a negative one for all reaction rolls until he gets his pasta. That's it. And, and no one seems to doubt that that's a reasonable conclusion. You know, it's, it's, so it, there, there's much going on there. We're seeing this sort itself out. It's going to be very interesting evolution to watch because Hobby gaming keeps going from strength to strength. I don't know if you guys saw Scythe this year. No. This, this, it's a beautiful, beautiful board game. Had a million-dollar Kickstarter. It's a, a wonderful mix of an alternative universe, a agrarian society with mechs, um, very, very, very elegant rules, very simple rules, made a fortune. And, and so th this, this is evolving. Games like uh, mechs versus aliens. Mechs versus minions, that's it. Mechs versus Minions, a beautiful game. So there's all these wonderful board games coming out, but I really think we're going to see a generational pushback against the rules of my childhood. Really? Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're seeing I, it. We're seeing it across those across all those games. The board games are going going that direction, like you're talking about. RPGs are going clearly going that way in recent years. Um, and I mean, I'm I'm going to be on a podcast in a couple of weeks where we are specifically talking about the scale of the RPG industry of oh. all the way from the giant monsters with the really robust systems with tons of rule books all the way down to the micro game that's you know printed out on four pages that you can play in two hours. Yeah, and just looking at uh, all the I, I, just the sheer that? variety. You'll you'll post this so I may listen. Oh yeah, it'll be up. I'll make a comment on my Facebook at some point. Cool. Whenever. We we recorded in two weeks. When will it go up? I don't know. Yeah, no, I I it just it it's very evol interesting evolution to watch because I'm incredibly glad that in a world where digital gaming really does hold the field that we've still had RPGs and board games and war games really go through a renaissance of a kind where we are seeing some of the best of all those coming out far better than anything that we talked about this on the podcast where you know the games of my childhood were crap comparison to what we're seeing today well here's 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 one for you if you want a nice simple game you could you could sit down and you could play this game with your family just the three of you you can learn it in minutes and you can play it and have fun it requires no dice it's called dr magnet hands <laughs> okay <laughs> what's that about <laughs> it's about a, it's 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 a ridiculous superhero game where your your superheroes are out to defeat dr magnet hands yeah and describe him he has magnets for hands and he's a doctor <laughs> and he's a doctor yeah, okay he didn't go to eight years of medical school to be called Mister Magnet Hands. <laughs> um, oh wait, so he's one of—he's a real doctor, not one of them fake doctors. Yeah, and you put—you uh, uh, basically everybody writes out um, like on slips of paper a bunch of stuff. You write out like ridiculous superpowers, or like weird minions or animals, or a strange situation, or a, you know something just something weird that your character might see, and you just build a story from those pieces. Like one of the people says, you know, like the, <laughs> the, the penguins with boxing gloves show up. How do you defeat them? You have to get through them in order to defeat Dr. Magnet Hands, and you pick out one yeah. of your weird superpowers, and you narrate how you used that weird superpower to defeat the penguins with boxing gloves. It sounds a little Mad Libby. Kinda, and you just yeah, but every, but you right, you come up with the stuff, and then you th you throw all of them in a hat, and everybody draws a bunch out, so you get some of yours and some of the other people's, yeah. and then you just narrate a 
wacky story. Plus, it's an entertaining read because the guy that wrote it is British and it t- it shows in the writing. Um, and he made it very clear that it's for drunk people. <laughs> <laughs> he designed it um, to be played. It's like foolproof for drunk people. Does it say you just oh, all you need is paper oh, and pencil, okay. no dice or anything. It's just a narrative. It's just a it's a structure to tell a story. There's no warning on on it that says if you play this sober, it won't be as much fun. Well, he kind of implies that. <laughs> He encourages you to drink on multiple occasions. Are there are there drinking games built within the game? Nope. No. Just get drunk before you play. Oh, okay. basically that's the game. Anyway, um, quick note: um, we're going to link to Doctor Magnet Hands. I found a thing in the comments here though that it says this isn't a game. What is this? It doesn't even have numbers in it. This isn't anything really. Also, what are the odds of a man with the surname Magnet Hands would actually end up having magnets for hands? That's a good point. <laughs> that seems like too much of a coincidence for me. <laughs> Mike, how, how, long, how much longer are we going? Are we uh, jumping into peeps, or are we giving Jim some more time? I, I don't have anything to do, Jim, after this. Other than yes. edit this. You got time? Sure. Tell us about nerds buying cars. Uh, yeah. Look, <laughs> um, I my dad still with us, 90 years old this year. Got nice. Up. My dad, a World War II vet, was a car guy, is a car guy. Worked on cars, as he tells me often, in the days of lead bodies, when you basically went down there like a feller with a hammer. You got hit, you <laughs> pounded that thing out. You just wailed on it. None of this unibody communist nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of you hippie know, crap. <laughs> but yeah. You know, so he, he came back and worked in a body shop in 46, 47, 48. And he knew about cars and guy lived right across the street was a, a manager at one of the local dealerships and also the head of their service department and i i can't tell you how many conversations in my father's garage were king of the hill-esque as yeah. they don't my dad does my dad really doesn't drink much but he'd still stand around and pop open the hood of a car stare at the engine and go yeah nope probably the timing belt <laughs> probably got to get in there and fix that up did he have a friend that would say, dang old, no, but, but Jerry Headkey, the guy, the guy across the street, I hope he's still with us because he was a good dude. He, uh, he'd come over and he was like, right, right. Gotta tell you, gotta think, I gotta think that's your, uh, that's your, that's your rings and pistons. Rings and pistons, no, probably real quick clipped mode of delivery on his speech. Probably came from being a car salesman his whole life. He was always trying to sell you the true code. And, <laughs> This is my deal, Wade. This got, is my deal. Gotta have that true coat. So, well, I so didn't, let's talk I about, told talk you about, I didn't want... Th- okay, go ahead. <laughs> we, we know where we're going with this. We do this for but, <laughs> and And my role, I, my father had... He had to sell it when he moved into his new apartment. He had this beautiful snap-on tools, tool bench thing. And it was just filled with beautiful snap-on tools. Tools that I don't know if you know what the deal is with Snap-on, but if you break a Snap-on, mm-hmm. at least in his day, yep. you would call them and they would deliver you a new one. Mm-hmm. Yep, guaranteed for life. Guaranteed for life, and he would just bring it to you. The dude would drive up and give it to you. Out of his there you go. Sorry, That's when there old. was pride and workmanship in this yep. year country. And he, my father, had this, and he had his name painted on his toolbox. <laughs> you know, a, a really nice script. Back, <laughs> you know we. You know, we wouldn't just get a sticker or something. Like had it, like had someone do it. All nice. Oh yeah, 
that was a <laughs> calligraphy. Oh yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was actual. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. The box was red. The paint was this lovely yellow, not a gaudy yellow, but a nice soft yellow that just sort of glowed and it was his name. And, uh, my role, my job, was to know where all his tools were in that box so I could hand them to him. <laughs> because God knows I wasn't getting to actually use the tool. No. That that was not going to happen. And so, and so the, as I got older and I started to figure I needed a car, First car I ever bought was a one dollar uh, uh, Olds Custom eighty eight, just a gigantic car. You paid a dollar for it. Bought it from a friend at church. He was getting rid of it and said, "Jim, you can have it." So that was my first car. When I when that car died, and my father went out with me to Ernie von Schladorn here in Milwaukee in Menominee Falls. <laughs> Ernie von Schladorn. That's the place. Menominee Falls. <laughs> my father wore coveralls and brought a creeper. Who do you know wants to buy a car? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, that's that's good. That's, I, I grew up there fellow, too. Yeah, that's that's nice. That's Thank solid. <laughs> and what were you doing between 1939 and 1945, Mister Slaydor? I was in Switzerland, but my father brought coveralls and a creeper so that he could get under the car. Right. Sure. And I, I can remember like it was yesterday. He crawled out from under and looked at the salesman who was trying to sell me this car. And he goes, yeah, it'd be great if it had a catalytic converter in it. <laughs> and this guy went white. Like, what do you mean? Of course it has a catalytic. And my dad went, no, it don't. And so he was, you know, this guy was trying to sell me a car that wouldn't be street legal, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so these are all the things my father did for me. Well, my father has since, you know, he's he's. Still with us, still mentally with us, still physically, basically able, but he doesn't like to go out much. It comes with being ninety, I guess. Yeah, that this this it's not his job anymore. No, no, he's taking care now of I'm, that. He's got now, people for that. Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm on my own. <laughs> At what age? Fifty. <laughs> I made it to fifty, and and my before car, you lost your car, guy. <laughs> it needs it needs replacing. Oh no. Oh. And and oh god, do I hate this so much? Because because I know there is a built-in screw your buddy mechanic built into the game. Let's buy a car. <laughs> I know that that dude in that shop. Oh yeah, sure, he wants to sell cars. Don't get me wrong. But his job, his goal, in a very visceral non-buffered way is to make me pay as much as humanly possible for this car. There is no universe in which he simply goes, look, this is a fair price. Please take it. It's a good car. Good day. <laughs> and lacking almost completely the skill set that my father has for determining whether a car works. And my father now tells you, here's the other problem. The cars he worked on were relatively straightforward devices. Yep. You could follow you he my father still can follow gas from the time it <laughs> enters the tank all the way through the engine and all the way out the tailpipe and figure what's broken. Yep. If the car works that way. No, cars are spaceships nowadays. <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. It yep. might as well be. <laughs> the amount of technology yeah. that's oh, in sure, the computers yeah. and everything. I I drive Buicks, okay? That's what I do. 
Oh, <laughs> there's a there's a good American car there. I'll tell Dang. you, the My... only American car to consistently make it into the Consumer Reports Safe Good Car ratings. Really, the only one. Go, only one. Go Buick. My dad drives a Buick, as he should. It's the uh, <laughs> what is it? The Rendezvous. It's the it's the one that's, oh, that's based the crossover. It's, yeah. it's the um, it's the Buick version of the Pontiac Aztec. Yep. <laughs> that is although, nowhere near as ugly. Pontiac isn't made anymore. Right. Pontiac doesn't exist anymore. Right. But no, it's that's that's the one. And by the way, you and I just did something that my generation has stopped doing. My father would drive around on this freeway and pick out cars and go, oh, that's a 77 Grand Torino. Oh, that's a 72 Pinto. He'd just do that for entertainment, I thought. <laughs> and, he, and he sort of expected me to keep up. Yeah. When's the last time anybody, can you imagine how you'd react if you were sitting in the car with, oh, 2003, 2003 Taurus. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? I get people every so often pointing out just the model, not necessarily the year, but the model of a car, making a thing out of the model of the car. My uh-huh. response is, well, it's blue. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now, now, don't I don't know what I'm kind of car my like friends a- drive. I don't even pay attention to that. I can tell you whether they drive a car or an SUV or a truck. That's about a, right. all. I, I know Mike's car just because we've talked about it. I can do a little bit better than Oh, Also, I've had the same car for. Well, well doesn't he drive a, you know, <laughs> a, doesn't he drive a, yeah, just pick a, pick a, you know, a, a Malibu. Does he drive a Malibu? I don't, I don't know what a Malibu <laughs> looks like. <laughs> so, 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 Craig, you understand now. Now you are in the window of my problem. Yes, that, that is entirely my problem. Exactly. But if you want me to explain the eight schools of magic in D anD D to you, I can do that <laughs> at length. Uh, my, my father, my father, once came in and looked at my bookshelf and went, <laughs> "What's all this? Spells? spells? <laughs> are you a witch?" <laughs> No, and he's, he then said, he then said, could you go outside and cast a spell on the carburetor of your POS car that isn't working? <laughs> and walked out. I like your dad. I would say, <laughs> we should have him on the show. Oh, well, my I, own, no, I, I no, like your dad. no, no. My dad will tell you the same two stories all the time. Oh, okay. No, no, no. So that's, that we these already days, have one my, of those. My, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will. Well, let me tell. Let me tell you a grandpa Ray story. Since my son is sitting here, he knows this story. I got punched in the face once at school for once? limping off to a guy, and I got my eyeglass knocked out, cut my eye, and I was bleeding down my shirt. The whole thing. Ow! I, I came home and my dad, my dad had built a welding mount for his snowblower that go, went on the front of his his twenty horse tractor. And we lived in the suburbs, by the way. We were not on in Hubertus, but he still needed his equipment. And it was the time to take this gigantic snow rig and, and bolt it onto the front of the plow, on the front of the tractor to make it work. He looked at me in my condition, such as I was, one lens having bleeding guy, <laughs> and, 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 and went, what happened? Got punched in the face. Did you have it coming? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> Well, you learned something, didn't you? Get cleaned up. I need your help with this. <laughs> my dad told me that once. So, yeah, no, my, my dad's a cool dude. And, and he was from that generation that was never, do not, do not ask him to understand Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And he was never one of those, oh, this is of the devil. You know, that was never him, even though he's a deeply religious man. It was just more, that is an utter, 
utter waste of time. <laughs> you know, and 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 all his skills proved to be useful, right? He could wire up he could wire up a house, he could lay bricks, he actually knew plumbing, he knew cars. These are things these were he had studied useful skills, right? Mm-hmm. So so now now at the at the young age of fifty, I am cast aloft on the waves of the internet. I'm not going to a car lot. <laughs> because because my dad was a mechanic and because all the salesmen were of a certain age, that was the other advantage he had. He knew all the salesmen. Yep. Why he didn't know this guy at Ernie von Schladorn, I don't know. But every <laughs> other place we would buy a car, it'd be, hey, Ray, what are you doing? Uh, buying a car for the boy. Oh, let me show you something. And he took me to a nice car. Or when he wanted one, he got a nice car. Me, I'm going into the jungle taking on hell. You know, I don't even have a machete. I got a pen knife. <laughs> this, this for our generation... I know Saturn tried to do this some years ago. There, well, we're just going to tell you what the car costs. No, no haggle pricing, right? Uh huh. It didn't work. Apparently, people wanted this suffering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, along with Pontiac. Yeah. Bye bye Saturn and Hummer. So no, and... I mean it's like so. I'm I'm going out. I'm going out. So I'm gonna I'll report back next time I visit. But it's I got I hate this so much, best and of... I I <laughs> weep for the nerd generation. I really do. Okay, best, so best we... of best of luck to you. Yeah. It, but you're 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 gonna buy a used car. Yeah, we always do. Okay, a used always Buick. Do. Yep. Okay, that's pretty specific. Yeah. At least you've got that going for you. Oh no, yeah, that's true. I mean, you've but, narrowed it down. <laughs> but but here's the other thing. As to Craig's point, I, I look. I've, I've got a good job. I, I make a decent income, so I don't have to buy a 1982 Buick. I'll be buying something. I actually bought my last car. I bought a couple years ago. Well, more than that. It was the first car I ever bought that had a warranty still on it. Yeah. And so now, as I'm looking in that same time window, all of them have these backup cameras. <laughs> That's now standard equipment. Mm-hmm. And my first reaction, because I am my father's son, oh, great, another thing to freaking break. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck on all of that. Uh, we will root you. for you. Um, Thank quick- you. Thank quick, quick sidetrack into the, you made the comment that uh, your dad never thought D and D was of the devil, right? Um, but uh, you know there was the call, calling back to the satanic panic of the eighties, yeah, yeah, where everybody you know it was it was a D and D you know thing was D and D's of the devil and it's teaching people spells and blah blah blah. But there was a lot of other stuff in there too that had to do with like this sudden surge amongst uh, a certain sub groupings of 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 christians who thought that like they sponsored they saw satan in every like all these everyday things they kind yes. of freaked out and everything there's now we've gotten far enough away from it now that there's a kickstarter up and running it's funded it's called satanic panic nice. awesome you play um it's set in the fictional 1970s and 80s the players take on the role of secret government agents tasked with combating the evils of tabletop games it's like if that was all real (laughs) the players work as a team with the common purpose to contain control and eliminate the threats to our world and they must do this all while keeping the truth from the public lest a panic ensue (laughs) this sounds like something you might have come up with (laughs) if they had it's an eldritch horror game that's awesome so yeah you go you go hunt down gamers who are casting spells in their basements Stop them and from please doing tell, that. Please tell me at some point one of them hangs herself and we only see her feet. Yeah, probably. 
but uh, it's it's it certainly has a bit of a, a sense of humor. So it looks it looks entertaining. Yeah, Jack Chick just died. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, just I, I wanted more. I wanted more great Jack Chick originals. No longer. Yeah, I don't care. He was a, t- <laughs> he was a turd. Who? Oh, the guy who did all the tracts, the chick tracts, the chick track, including the greatest of them all, Darkest Dungeon. He wrote these little tracks, these little, these little pamphlet-sized little write-up things about everything that was horrible and satanic and evil and of the devil. And he was like, like if you you name it, he wrote about how the devil was influencing it, including notably Catholicism. So I'm kind of yeah, and uh, and he's he's most he's famously known amongst the gamer types as as having done quite a few of uh, quite a he he contributed a lot to the satanic panic of, ah. around D and D in the eighties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> I noticed he was not mourned on Nerdburger in the same way as Lauren Wiseman. That's probably appropriate. I'm tempted to play the Bucktooth Bob installs central air bit from Bob and Brian. <laughs> was, you, when you were you were talking about like as yes. a kid helping your helping your dad. Yep. Oh man, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do we want to play it? How long is it? Like five minutes. Jim, you want to listen here. to it? Well, I know, I know, I know the bit well. But go. 1970. Four, really? 73. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guess who put it in? Your dad. Donnie. <laughs> With his friends. No, he just, just did him. it. He just did it. Me and him. Wow. Gee, Pop. I don't know. I never put in Central Air before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 12. I'm only 12. I... <laughs> ah, good for you. <laughs> this seems like it could be a little over my head, a lot of A lot of obstructions. <laughs> lot of... Yeah. Hand me this and hand me that. Yeah. A lot of that. He knew what he was doing, though. Bobby, lift that corner up. Bobby, up. Bobby. No, Bob. Bobby. Bob, lift that. Bob, lift that corner. Bob, that corner right there. Lift it up. <laughs> Sorry, <man. laughs> God, I find myself doing that to my kid all the time. No. No, no, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. That one. <laughs> put your hand down. Bobby, put your hand down. Go to the right. No, to the right. Bobby, go to the right. Put your hand down on the floor. Just slide it up. Okay, the first one you touch, pick it up. No, not that. Bob, slide over to the right. That was my childhood. That was my whole childhood. I understand. Yes, I understand. Uh, I got to see this. I I love the fact that Rock just sits there and goes, Oh, yeah. I know what he's talking about. You and Don got to get together. He can, probably give some, he can probably give you some pointers on that. No, Rock, you got to be very... Okay, we'll uh, just play that. That's the best part of it. Bob, Bob, oh, yeah. over there, to the Bob, right. Bob, no, Bob, the Bob. other one. Bobby, Bob, Bob. <laughs> you ever For do me? that with the, with the with his lordship there? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yesterday. <laughs> Funny you should mention. Yesterday. No, it was, uh, it was, for me, it was always the flashlight for my... My dad worked night and day. He had the clip lights. You know, those, those clip work lights, mm-hmm. they're sort of in a half shell yep. when he was working on cars. Mm-hmm. But but I knew I was doomed if he had to take that clip light down to get it something underneath, say, the carburetor. Because then my job was going to be figure out the physics of getting that light where he needed it to be and not let it be obstructed by A, myself, B, the car, C, his head. And do it all by verbal direction. Right. Well, and, and because he was down in this he's, thing, he's, right? He's verbally telling you where to put the light. No, up a little bit higher. Up, up, up. No, okay, I need now, to over see to this the right. thing. I need to see. And he's the not silver thing. You. 
<laughs> right, because he can't tell me, uh, put it on the retro encabulator, because that won't do me any I don't know what a framajam is, Dad. Pop, I don't right. know that word. Put it, look, are you stupid? Did I raise a stupid child? Put it on the framajam. It's like, Dad, 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 the framajam was over here. Yeah, that was your mom's car. This is my car. The framajam is over here. And so this is, he's underneath, and you're on, you're looking down. And he's telling you, yes. go right, and you go left. Yeah. No, the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, this happens. Oh. And the worst is if he's got to come out on that creeper and do it himself, grab my hand, <laughs> point it at it, and say, right here. So you feel stupid because you can't point the flashlight to the right place. And when he finally points to the exact spot, you just feel stupider. Yes. Because <laughs> it's not as if this was – it's not as if I was trying to point it at the third moon of Venus. It's right there. Yeah. It's six inches from my hand, <coughs> but but yet the Framajam eluded me. So it, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's it, it it is it is one of those things where I just I'm glad it passes down. But yeah, the whole thing with the air conditioning, ooh, yeah, that that uh huh, like that, just like that. All righty, everybody, we come to that time in the gym episode. You get it every time. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about... You know you want it. Sammy Peeps. Oh. Sammy Peeps, a uh, the, uh, government guy in, under Charles II. Chuck the Deuce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wrote, wrote a diary. His own personal, personal thoughts. Never expected anybody to read them. It's the first one like this that we have the earliest version of, of this type of thing being d- discovered, and now everybody knows what he was thinking. Although if he, if he did know people were going to read them, he couldn't have written it any better. Yeah, because it's beautifully <laughs> written, um, and it's and it's, and it's very and it's very candid. He oh doesn't, yeah, he doesn't pull any punches. He's telling us, and we we've said it's part confessional. He's admitting he does things wrong that he's not proud of, but there are other things that he just says, like this one's going to be called Sammy Peeps Loose in the Netherlands. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. See, that's the other thing is like I would have to bleep the hell out of these things if it wasn't for the fact that they're not in actual american english <laughs> right because, because I wanted sammy, to... sammy was a official in the navy okay and so he's going to go on a trip to the netherlands oh oh i wanted okay. you to say geographically loose. i wanted you to say loose in the nethers but that's a that's a condition <laughs> i thought that i thought that's where this was going yeah, yeah okay no no this is loose in the netherlands and we're gonna right. do two very short entries okay one day after the other in may now, we're, we're trying to start at the beginning. We've been sort of following through time. May of 1660. We begin on 18th May in Delft. It's a most sweet town with bridges and rivers on every street. Observing that in every house of entertainment, there hangs in every room a poor man's box. And desirous to know the reason thereof, it was told to me that it is their custom to confirm all bargains by putting something into the poor people's box, and that binds as fast as anything. We saw likewise the guest house, where it was very pleasant to see what neat preparation there is for the poor. We saw one poor man a-dying there. Back by water were a pretty sober Dutch lass, reading all the way, and I could not fasten any discourse upon her. Nineteenth day, now to Lansdowne. I met my old chamber fellow, Mr. Charles Anderson, and a friend of his, both physicians, Mr. Wright, who took me to a Dutch house, where there was an exceeding pretty lass, and right for the sport. 
But it being Saturday, <laughs> we could not have much of her company. But however, I stayed with them until 12 at night. By that time, Charles was almost drunk and then broke up, he resolving to go thither again after he had seen me at my lodging and lie with the girl, which he told me he had done in the morning. Going to my lodging, we met with a bellman who strikes upon a clapper, which I took in my hand, and it is just like the clapper that our old boys fright the birds away with from the corn in the summertime in England. Too bad. <laughs> so in the first story, <laughs> Sam observes a very nice custom, which is that at every place of entertainment, a bar or a playhouse, there's a poor box. And people make a deal. They put money in the poor box, and that signs the contract, like spitting on your hand and shaking, right? Sure. It's the gentleman's agreement. Now, if, you know, if you right. really mean this, you put a little money in there for the poor. Right. We're going to do it right here, so we're putting it in the poor box, buddy. So this is serious. So that's like the, the give a penny, take a penny tray? Oh, no. Mostly just there, give if, a penny. If, if you go to most churches in Europe <laughs> right, still, yeah. you'll see a box for the poor. And that's supposed to be given in some form of charity to the poor. So that's what this would have been. But sure. this was at, at, at all the businesses. Yes. Same thing, though. Yeah. And it was intended to go to the poor. But then he goes to the guest house, which was indeed a place for the, uh, those who were very poor. Could ba- it's, it's basically a, uh, a hospice for the dying. Oh. For the poor and dying. And he says he sees a man dying. So that's pretty sobering. But then he goes back to his apartments where he's staying by water. And on this boat, he sees a lovely, serious woman reading a book. And he tries to hit on her. Mm-hmm. And she won't talk to him. Yeah. She won't give she she sees exactly what he's doing and will not give him the time of day. So guys, guys, this is not news. Okay. <laughs> no, we know Sam. This is <laughs> we this, feel is, you, this is Sam's modus operandi. Yeah. <laughs> we we know Sam's moves. Guys, guys, ladies have been if they're reading a book, leave them alone. That has not changed in 500 years. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, she's true. She was reading. She's uh, 400. 400 years, dudes. She's reading the book. I don't care if you're on a subway, on a bus, leave her on alone. a plane. Leave her alone. But then the next day, he goes and hangs out with his guy, Charles Anderson. Who, he's a doctor, apparently. And he takes him to a Dutch house, an actual home, where there was an exceeding pretty lass right for the sport. Yeah, he, he rolls right into, well, if that woman wouldn't talk to me, there's the next day. I'm going to go get her. Yeah. And, and this is his first reaction to her. Yeah. Right? She's pretty, and she's on the game. She wants to go. But it being Saturday, <laughs> we could not have much of her company. I have looked in several sources to figure out what it was about Saturday that was getting in the way of his game. And I can't find it. Let's, uh, let's guess. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'll be better. Um. Well, it was she was in the Saturday bowling league, and she had to go bowl. Okay. So she, yeah, she was going to have to leave pretty soon, and he knew that. Everybody, everybody, everybody in the Netherlands bowls on Saturdays. That's that's, <laughs> that's everybody cool. knows that, right? That's cultural. Yeah, that's a cultural thing. They've been doing so, that for a hundred so bowling for, was for, for a like thing, a thousand years. She yeah. had to go see. I thought maybe maybe she had a book club she had to go to. Sure. Saturday evening book club because Sam stays or maybe maybe he tried to hit on her and she said mm, sorry it's Saturday and then to give didn't give him any other explanation <laughs> and he just filled in the blank that there's something about Dutch people that. <laughs> that's it no, I, I, I am very sorry Mr. Pepys I have to go it's Saturday <laughs> exactly 
And he probably went to his grave wondering what it is about Dutch women on Saturday that they won't uh, they won't get busy. They won't uh, they won't engage. <laughs> Saturday night's not all right for Gorkin. Well, Saturday night is when the women go and tune the windmills. And tune That's- them. I'm very sorry, Mr. Davies. I have to go tune the windmills. Oh, that's true. That's true. You got to go. You have to like, there's a weekly tuning of the windmills where they have to make sure they're all rotating properly yes. at, in, in yeah, sync. Because sure. if they're, if they all get out of sync, then the, the country flies away. <laughs> like a helicopter. Flood. No, it like sinks. a helicopter. It sinks. Well, no, the, the, the windmills, the windmills function actually, well, the windmills function like a, like an outboard motor in the air. So it just, it just <laughs> across the ocean. Because all the windmills, because be all the windmills are pointed the same direction. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the other thing: he stays till midnight, right? Right. But and his buddy Charles is drunk, or almost drunk. I, I kind of, I, I'm fascinated, by the way, by that statement he draws. What were the, what was the language he used? He says, uh, "I stayed with him till twelve at night." By that time, Charles was almost drunk. Oh, he does say almost drunk. Okay. Yeah, it's like, really? Almost? As well, much what as is, you guys drank? What is, yeah, what does Sam consider to be drunk? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mobile. Okay, here's here's the deal. Like, Ask somebody from the Florida Panhandle what drunk is versus, uh, like, Wisconsin. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Wisconsin no, that's, that's, has a different that's... definition of drunk. Have you peed yourself no, yet? No. <laughs> Well, my, then. <laughs> my my uh my deputy is given us. He's from up north, and uh, his his family is given to saying, "Ooh, he's full." <laughs> he's full. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, oh, Uncle Ernie is full. Oh God. <laughs> so, but then they broke up. But in their parting conversation, mind you. Charles Anderson, doctor, tells Sam Peeps, I'm coming back here in the morning and going to lie with that girl. Because I did this morning. Now think about that. (laughs) That means he's telling Sam that he got it before Sam was trying to get it. (laughs) Right? That's the conclusion we draw. He's like, so Sam is there having a good time. And his, she's his, gotta go to, his she's drunk, gotta go to in the windmills. His drunken doctor friend is seeing Sam kind of hit on her, and she's giving her, you know, and he's sitting there going, mm, she in yeah, the Saturday yeah. thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's seeing this all happen. And then so, you know, the parting shot at the end of the night is, oh, by the way, yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this morning. Already been there. Tuned my windmill. <laughs> <laughs> so so on his way home at midnight, he runs into the bellman. Who's just going through and ringing his bell, right? I mean, it's a, it's a security precaution in those days. He's just ringing a bell, and, and Sam, probably himself under the weather, although he doesn't say so, says to the bellman, "Hey, can I ring it too? <laughs> Please, can I ring your bell? Because we already know he's got a bad case of blue balls, right? <laughs> yeah. So he wants to. He's a little bit hosed. He wants to ring the bell. The guy rings the bell, and Sam, in this wonderful bucolic moment, says. Why, it's just like the bell that our boys fright the birds away with from the corn within summertime in England to bed. So that's just him trying to end, end his little entry on something other than I was just trying to horn dog it. 
<laughs> two days <laughs> in a row. And my buddy Charles Anderson bogarted her. Yeah. I got I to gotta put a positive spin on this night. <laughs> so, yeah, I had this really nice moment with a bell ringer. <laughs> That's not a good night. <laughs> that is not a good... No, no. If your idea was... First of all, remember, he hits on girl on boat, right? Yep. Nothing. Nope. Craps out. <laughs> Gets up with his two boys, one of them Charles Anderson. They go out, get loaded, and they're hanging out at a at a Dutch home with a beautiful girl who he seems to think is ready to go. She says, oh, no, I have to tune the windmills. <laughs> so he hangs out, hangs out all the rest of the day till midnight. Yep. Charles gets up and goes, oh, yeah, as you say, by the way, hit that, and walks out. <laughs> and by the way, I'm going to hit it again tomorrow morning. So Sammy is left talking to the bell ringer guy. After wasting the whole day. <laughs> I, I I was with her this morning, and I'm going to be with her again tomorrow morning. And that's where the, the, the <laughs> Oculus focus comes down right on. The tight little shot, the whole screen's black, except right on Sammy's face, and yeah. then it disappears. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just a ding. <laughs> As the credits roll, it's just a shot of yeah. him ringing the bell. Like I said, this guy, nobody tells that story if they're not telling the Right, because because if we're telling that story to a diary, we intend other people to read. He does the girl in the boat. He does the girl in the whorehouse, and he does or in the the Dutch house, and he does two other girls in the bargain, and he did it all less than sober. Yeah, or or maybe he's faithful to his wife. What? (laughs) (laughs) If he intends other people to read it, by my love, I saw this beautiful girl who would have had sex with. But I told her no, for you are the most beautiful and virtuous of women to whom I am forever loyal to bed. Or he writes different parts in different languages, which we've talked about before, too. Mm-hmm. Is that he, he, yeah, yeah. he hides things by writing things in other languages. Ah, oh, Sam. <sighs> Good stuff. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Always a pleasure. And I think it's safe to say this. Congratulations, Jim. You have won longest episode. <laughs> All right. I- I'm pretty Wait. sure. Wow. Um, you you know you came within a minute. I think the last time you were on. Oh okay. <laughs> I don't know of of breaking the the, the record. Yep. So um, as we wrap up here, Jim, thank you. You betcha. And um, everybody, if you want to ask one question, you would now when as of this episode coming out, you have about three or four days to do it. We record on Sunday. This comes out on Wednesday. Ask your question. You could win things. Um, Email to the uh, nerdburger show at gmail.com. One question in the subject line. Do not begin your questions with, can you tell me, do you know, I was wondering, or my question is. We'll pick a favorite, and that person will win some stuff. And then we'll answer all the questions, too. Where else can they find us, Mike? Uh, well, first of all, happy birthday, Matt. Recording Sunday the 5th. Okay. Happy birthday, Matt. Sometime guest, guest of the show, Matt. Okay. According to Facebook. In the email they sent me, they can okay. They can find us at nerdburgershow dot com at nerdburgershow on the Twitters and the Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, email us with your one question: nerdburgershow at gmail dot com. And you can go to Nerdburger Games for game stuff, and uh, you can go to Drive Through RPG to buy murders and acquisitions. <laughs> On the next episode of Nerdburger, Craig presents several different tasty, life-sustaining animals in meat form to his podcast partners, all in celebration of our four-year anniversary and your one question. Food? 
I'm bringing presents. Food? Life-sustaining meat. Ooh. <laughs> Tasty. Life-sustaining animal meat. Different animals? Different types. Different types. Different varieties. Oh, okay. 